Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? It may be the dead of winter, but it won't always be. Praise the Lord. Thank God for the change in seasons. I'm already looking forward to spring. And today I want to talk about how seasonal transitions are a perfect and traditional time for detoxification. We will be starting Feast of Fast on February 22nd, which is Ash Wednesday, and going all the way through Easter on April the 8th. We do this special round of Feast of Fast each year, which is six and a half weeks instead of our normal four, because we do it for the entire season of Lent. And so we will be technically starting in the winter and finishing in the spring. This is a perfect detox time. Seasonal transitions are when ancient cultures and religious groups traditionally engaged in detoxification and self-discipline practices as we do for Lent as Christians. The spring and fall are especially important transition points because the spring is when the body is in more of a cleansing, fat-burning detox mode as we move toward the heat of summer. And fall is when we're in more of a cleansing yet fortifying mode as we move toward the cold of winter. But of all the seasons, the spring is the most well-regarded for detoxification time because it's like nature's new year. You know, there's new growth, there's new life. And as Christians, this just coincides beautifully as we move toward the celebration of the resurrected life of Jesus, which is new life for us, eternal life. I've been reading up more on seasonal eating and how our body changes with the seasons, how God provides food to support our bodies seasonally, how the gut microbiome changes seasonally to help us better utilize these foods and support our health needs, especially uh, supporting the immune system. You know, moving from cold, dry air winter to um, a more warm, moist, but still cool, wet spring. I mean, that's a big change. And there are things we can do to help our body through that. Winter is naturally a higher fat and more protein focused season of the year, more animal based, because there's less plant life available when it's freezing outside. In modern times, we can go to the grocery store and get any kind of plant food we want at this time of the year, but that's not really natural. You know, it didn't used to be that way. 
our ancestors were limited to what they could access regionally and seasonally. I always like to use this example because it's what gives me perspective and keeps me grounded. But, you know, if I dropped you off in the middle of the pasture at the ranch in winter and was like, okay, go find you some food, you'd be hard pressed to find many plant foods to eat. I always think of the Native Americans who lived there so many years ago and what they would have had access to. When we drive around the ranch, my husband is always pointing out what are called Indian mounds. Well, technically they're called burned rock middens, but they're kind of colloquially known as Indian mounds. And they're these leftover mounds of burned cracked rock and ash where the Native Americans cooked. It was like their cook sites. And I can assure you that they weren't eating big plates of salad or broccoli or blueberries in the dead of winter. That would not have been available. They might have been cooking so tall which is a plant that was used for many purposes, one of those being that you could eat part of it kind of like in the manner you'd eat an artichoke. But they were mostly harvesting deer and maybe some birds and, you know, whatever animal life they could. It was just naturally more animal focused at this time of the year with protein and fat. But even our, you know, more recent relatives and ancestors, like our great-great-grandparents who lived hundreds of years ago, By mid-February, I mean, the coffers were probably getting pretty low. I'm sure they had put up some produce for the winter, you know, canning and such. They likely had some stored grains, but that supply would have started running low by the end of the season, and they would have definitely taken advantage of eating any sources of animal food that they could harvest, definitely would have rendered and used the animal fat. Let's keep in mind that nobody was importing olives and coconuts into the U.S. hundreds of years ago to have access to olive oil and coconut oil like we do today. And they certainly didn't have processed vegetable oils because those weren't even invented yet. So animal fats would have been their major fat source and they would have used them for many purposes, you know, for food, um, topically for skin, like as a lotion or balm, for light. You can make candles from tallow. Animal fats were very important. I am just fascinated and have such appreciation for the way that historical people had to get food. It was so hard. And I I just thank God he didn't put me in that time period. I don't think I was cut out for it. Um, And it just gives me perspective, though, you know, now, when I, you know, think I'm annoyed about cooking dinner, I just try to be grateful instead of hateful that I have an entire fridge and freezer stuffed with food options. I think we're just a a bunch of big old spoiled babies in modern times. Anyway, the point is that late winter and early spring, you know, it's kind of slim pickings. It would have also been a time of the year for some longer fasting because of the lower food supply and because we're still in those longer dark days at this time of the year. Now that will change on the other side of spring when we get closer to summer and the light is longer and the plants are growing Um, It's naturally a time for more carbohydrates because there's more plant life. And it's a natural time for less fasting because there's more light. Here's where we go wrong in our modern dietary world. We try to impose macronutrient rules like fat is bad, don't eat fat. Or carbs are bad, don't eat carbs. Or animal foods are bad, don't eat meat or saturated fat. You know, we have the luxury of deciding our macronutrient ratios because we have grocery stores packed with the food and refrigerators to store it. Historically, 
macronutrient ratios were driven by season. Winter and early spring would have naturally encouraged more protein and fat because there's less plant life. And summer and early fall would have encouraged more carbohydrates because there's more plant life. Our food choices and eating practices are meant to shift along with the seasons. And that includes the way we fast. The problem is, you know, we just can't handle all this available food and these infinite food choices. And so we artificially impose these macronutrient and food rules when really we need to be taking our cues from nature and understand that there's a natural macronutrient rhythm based on the seasons of the year when sometimes it makes sense to be higher protein and fat like the winter and early spring and times to be higher in carbs like summer and fall. Historically, people did not count calories or t- you know track macronutrient ratios. They didn't even know what those were. They ate according to season, and the season would dictate their calories and macronutrient ratios, which would vary. I honestly don't think it's normal to eat the exact same amount of calories and macronutrient ratios day in and day out, or to fast for the exact same amount of time the whole year through. We impose those rules and boundaries on ourselves in an effort to stay in control and accountable. And that's okay, especially considering that we have all of these overly tantalizing, dopamine-inducing processed foods in the supply that our ancestors didn't have to contend with because they didn't used to exist, which, you know, should be our clear signal to steer clear. But all of this dietary counting is a very modern practice, and it's somewhat disconnected us from common sense and the natural rhythm of our relationship with food and eating. Our food choices and eating practices are meant to shift along with the seasons. You know, also our microbiome, our gut bacteria shift with the seasons to help us utilize seasonal food to best benefit our bodies. God did not make our food willy-nilly. The foods of this season help our bodies move through that season. Like, you know, fruits with higher water content. They're very hydrating in the hot summer. And root vegetables are hearty and warming in the fall as we move toward winter. And there are a lot of fresh greens that help our bodies detoxify in the spring. Plus, with the lower supply of plants in the cold frozen months of winter, we rely on burning more fat. Remember that the two sources of energy our body uses as fuel are fat and carbs. Carbs come from plants, which are leaner in supply in the colder months and more abundant in the warmer months. And so it makes sense that we would lean a little heavier on utilizing fat as fuel in the colder months and more carb fuel in the summer months. I teach this concept in Feast of Fast that we want our energy sources to work in seesaw relationship with one another. When one is up, the other is down. So if fat is up, carbs are down and vice versa, because we don't want to overwhelm our body with too much energy or fuel at one time, because that's when it gets stored as fat. But this naturally reflects in nature when carbs are less abundant and we rely more on fat. And when they are more abundant, we can rely more on those carbs. The other thing is, we're naturally designed to fast a little longer in the winter months because the light of day is shorter. So that naturally gives us a shorter eating window that also leads to more fat burning. The longer you fast, the more you burn fat. And again, because the, you know, the coffers are a little low at the end of winter and early spring before there's much plant life available, this is a time for burning fat, which in and of itself is detoxifying 
because we store toxins in our fat. And when we burn fat, we release toxins. We're moving them through our lymphatic system and out with our bile. Our bile is produced by the liver, stored in the gallbladder, and released to help us break down fats and take toxins out of the body through our poop. And you know, a lot of these fresh greens that start cropping up in the spring, like dandelions, they have properties that support liver and bile flow, which again, circles back to how God puts food in nature to support our bodies. And that early spring is a natural and targeted time for detoxification. The other thing about primarily burning fat at this time of the year is that, and I read this phrase in a book, which I thought was interestingly well put, that fat is our spiritual fuel. When we're primarily burning fat, our brains use ketones for energy. When there's more sugar in the body from carbs, our brain uses glucose for fuel. But when there's not sugar to use, it uses ketones, which are fatty acids for fuel. Ketones are a more energizing, clarifying, focus-inducing brain fuel. And it's no coincidence that fasting induces ketones. And so when we're fasting with spiritual intention, we're putting our brains in a position to be more open and receiving to hearing the Lord. Does that make sense? It makes me think of this verse from Ezra 8.23, which says, So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. People fasted as a spiritual discipline out of reverence, but also with the intention of hearing God. And fasting puts us in the position of using ketones, which is this really clean, clarifying brain fuel, and is more mind-opening, if you will, than burning glucose for brain fuel. You know, a lot of people do like a higher fat diet because they feel like they have better brain performance, you know, less brain fog, more focus. And studies show that a high fat diet is helpful in reducing symptoms of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and ALS. In Feast of Fast, we do our regular daily intermittent fasting between 12 to 16 hours. And we always do a super fast in every round. We usually do one during the last week. But for the Lent round of Feast of Fast, we add in a weekly super fast, which just means choosing one day a week to challenge ourselves to a longer fast. And that's going to be different for each person. You know, to one person, a longer fast might be 14 or 16 hours, and to another person, it might be 24 hours. So it's really up to the individual to determine what their super fast is going to be. But we use our super fast to be more intentional in prayer and repentance and thanksgiving and just overall to, to lean more into the Lord for strength as we're trying to get through that longer fast. And then we're also using our clean burning ketone brain fuel to be open and receptive to hearing the Lord. You know, like that Ezra verse says, we ask God for help or guidance and we fast and we listen for his answer. In Feast of Fast, we also do three weeks of sugar detoxing, two on the front end, so the first two weeks, and then one on the back end during the last week, which is Holy Week, the week that's leading up to Easter. So we really dial in our food to focus on real food the way God made it. And during our sugar detox weeks, we also dial back our dairy intake, which can be helpful in spring because we tend to be more mucousy at that time of the year as the weather changes and tends to be more wet 
and dairy can make us even more mucousy. So that's definitely a seasonal tweak we can, you know, make and observe about ourselves if we can feel like that helps um, us be, you know, be less mucousy if that's something that is problematic for you. In fact, I'm thinking about giving up dairy for Lent. We were just talking about this in the Christian Health Club because a lot of us kicked up um, our dairy intake during 10 times stronger to help us meet our protein goals, including me. And so it might be a nice shift, you know, um, especially moving into wet spring to cut that down or out for a bit. I just, I love the way this winter to spring transition pairs so beautifully with the season of Lent. You know, they're both, they're kind of this starker time before we get to the beautiful bloom. I always think of Lent as a time to simplify, to minimize, to pare down, you know, which is what is really reflected in nature at this time of the year. Things are stark, nothing is growing But we have that promise of new life and growth and beauty in front of us, you know, both as we move toward beautiful spring and the resurrection of Jesus. It gives us hope and joy to know that's coming. John 30, 30 is my anchor verse at this time of the year, which says, he must increase, but I must decrease. This time of the year makes me want to decrease, you know, and simplify like my food choices and declutter my spaces and just not buy a bunch of junk I don't need and keep my schedule simpler, as simple as it can be with three active kids. But overall, just cutting down, you know, on the excessive stuff and noise in my life, decreasing so that I can focus more on the Lord, give him more of my physical, mental and spiritual space, you know, physical detoxification encourages spiritual intoxication because we intentionally seek to fill ourselves with more of the Lord. And that's really what our goal is for a feast to fast and Lent, you know, honoring our creator with our mind, body, and spirit. We eat real food. We fast. We focus on scripture. We burn fat. We clear our minds. We get really intentional about the season. And I also, at this time of the year, just like to make more use of simple detoxifying practices like doing more dry brushing, you know, shedding that dry winter skin and encouraging lymphatic flow, taking more Epsom salt baths, using my essential oils. I really love using the ancient oils of scripture, you know, like frankincense and myrrh at this time of the year. I'm doing my daily walks and and being more intentional about listening to podcasts like I love the Bible Project podcast. That's a really good one. Um, Just, you know, kind of incorporating more of these simple things that don't cost anything but help amplify this time of detoxification and just kind of make it more purifying. And then as we move into the warmer weather and toward that spring equinox, we can get more sun and increase our grounding, just really embrace and immerse ourselves in all the good things of our creator. And speaking of that made me think, well, this week is a pretty big week because it's uh, the we're having our first class. We're really kicking off the School of Christian Health and Nutrition. Um, and this first month, we're spending the month talking about light, you know, both the sun kind and the Jesus kind. And we have an amazing cohort of students. We've already had such good feedback. So Carly and I are just, just very um, grateful and we're really excited We will have a live call with our students every Monday to geek out over all this stuff. So talk about immersing yourself in the goodness of the Lord. 
And then also, like I said, we'll be starting Feast of Fast on February 22nd. We're actually going to have our first Zoom call on the 21st, which is Fat Tuesday, um, just to kind of have a kickoff preparation call. I feel like the luckiest person in the world. I get to spend my days talking about health and Jesus with other women who want to talk about health and Jesus. Are you kidding me? <laughs> How did I get so lucky? Um, it's the Lord. Um, and then we're training other people to be able to do the same thing, you know, spend their days talking about health and Jesus. God is so, so good. So Feast of Fast will also be, you know, just a kind of a nice time to reset if you've gotten a little carb heavy, because again, we have all these carbs available to us, right? Um, all the year through. But we really want to capitalize on burning fat at this time of the year, you know, shutting off the winter weight, um, releasing toxins, but keeping those, we got to keep those carbs low enough to allow our body to burn off any excess stagnant fat, you know, and we also want to have a good relationship with carbs in our lives because we do have so many, there are, you know, so many carbs available to us. And so we need to know how to handle those. And we're going to be going into a time of more abundant carbs, you know, as we move toward the weather, warmer weather, and it makes sense uh, for us to include more. So we really need to kind of get a handle on where we are with those. Of all the macronutrients, carbohydrates are, you know, they're the hardest to maintain a healthful relationship with um, because we do have all those extra choices. And I think it's an ongoing process of reviewing and reassessing that relationship and what you might be struggling with. I was just thinking how interesting it is that I haven't struggled with granola for a long time. And that used to be my kryptonite. As many of you know, I have kind of talked about that over the years, but it's really hardly on my radar now. It doesn't, I just haven't eaten much of it. It doesn't tempt me like it used to. I don't overeat it. Um, but you know, there are other things. <laughs> There's always some kind of kryptonite happening. I've been experimenting with baking different kinds of bread. We're going to talk about that in a future podcast. And it's okay to eat bread, but uh, sure is easy to overdo it if you're not staying aware and intentional about it. So we all have our kryptonite foods that we need to reassess from time to time, right? So we'll definitely be um, assessing and decreasing those in Feast to Fast. Okay, uh, well, we're only a few weeks away from the beginning of Lent, which is why I wanted to get you thinking about it and deciding how you want to honor and recognize it. I think it's a beautiful opportunity to honor the seasonal transition with these detoxification and spiritual discipline practices. Physical detoxification is spiritual rejuvenation. You can't separate the benefits, but you do have to intentionally seek them. There are plenty of people who go through detoxes and fast for physical purpose without looking for the Lord in it. And that's the best part is doing it for the Lord and with the Lord as the focus, you know, immersing ourselves in his creation and provision, thinking about how he made the seasons and how he made our bodies to work in relation to the seasons and our food and the way we fast and the light and the plants and just all of it. I love it. It's just, I just love thinking about it so much, being aware of it, recognize it, being an active part of it. You know, the participation in it makes me feel closer to him. And when we do it as a group, it amplifies the beauty and experience of it. So I invite you to join us for Feast of Fast if you feel led to do something special, you know, in the season of Lent. If you want to physically detox, but spiritually intox, 
um, come join us. You can go to feastoffest.co to sign up um, and get all of your information. Registration is open for that. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening. Y'all stay warm out there in this cold winter season and just know that we are moving toward more light, moving toward warmth, moving toward growth um, as we move toward spring and we move toward Easter. And it's just a, a beautiful season to be a part of and to watch unfold. All right, my friends, have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.